Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Straw Hut Media. Hey, y'all, and we are back. How you been? How you doing? I'm okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait. I'm great. Damn it. I'm great. I was thrown off a little bit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> it did it again. Wait, is you there? I'm here. It's so weird. I don't know what the fuck is going on with this computer. I'm not even near it. Okay. Oh, in the machine. Ooh, I think I heard a ghost in my room last night. I legit heard a man's ghost humming in my motherfucking room last night. Just, hey, y'all. Okay. You just completely ignored what I said. No, I heard you. I'm not. See, when you acknowledge, don't acknowledge the ghost, they can't talk to you. I didn't acknowledge shit, but I did turn on the motherfucking lights and fall asleep with my lights all the way on and my covers all the way over my head. I legit, I swear to God, I heard a man's voice humming in my room last night. Mm-hmm. I, I don't scare easily. I love right, scary right, movies. Right. I'm not easy to scare. I My right. blood went cold yeah. um, when I heard that last night. Well, we're going to bring blessings here because we are back for a new episode. How's everybody doing? Ooh. Good, I hope. Um. We got a jam-packed show today. It's going to be a fun one, indeed. Uh, and I just want to start off by saying um, power to the people. I love black people. Um, we said, we talked about it a little bit last week, but um, we want to get into a little bit of uh, Black is King. Did you watch it? I did. I right. I did watch it, and I texted you right away. Mm-hmm. I, I was like watching right before we recorded. Like I was like, oh, let me turn this off, because I am, that's probably my fourth time watching it already. It was really, really beautiful. Wasn't it beautiful? It was so beautiful. It was it was breathtaking. Yeah. It, it was, was breathtaking. Just the colors, the way that they just synced on them. I mean, it was whew. I had to like pause minute here and there. And then I guess yeah, obviously too, when you watch it like a second and third time, you kind of see all the little the little nuggets in there and how to relate. So I was just amazed. I loved it so much. I I think it's really beautiful when you see an artist Mm -hmm. recognize and acknowledge their past and how they are a bridge to their past and their future. Right. Um, Right. And acknowledge that through their art in such Mm -hmm. a beautifully magnificent and purposeful way. Yeah. Uh, I think that Beyonce did such an amazing job with that and all the filmmakers all the other artists involved the cinematography was gorgeous it was gorgeous and there was just those all that color just the it felt 
so so like you said so rich and just so real and oh i loved it so much i loved um i love uh of course mood was my jam mm-hmm. um mood was my jam and uh little no you remember that whole little setup what from the mood uh, portion of that movie I don't know the. You got to explain it to the, me. the the location of where. Did you recognize anything? Oh yes, I sure did. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yes, I sure did. I was like, oh, we was over there by that Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to. I'll post it on social, but actually, I just already did. It, it was our. It's the picture of Paris and I. It's her birthday picture. Um, we're leaning up against the little columns that if you see when Beyonce is on standing on um, above the pool and she's shaking her hair with the, uh, with the toothbrush and the diamonds in the mouth, Paris and I was standing right up over there. Mm-hmm. And then I got a picture with Rihanna right over by that pool wall and people standing up in the pool and shit. That's when Rihanna told me that my body was amazing. <laughs> I was like, because first I'm watching, I was like, oh, this must be in like Zimbabwe or something. No. I was like, I was, is that where we saw Michael Bolton? <laughs> That was no. That was this no. That was the year after that. Okay, but it was the same place, right? Same place. Right, right, right. Um, that place is beautiful because I'm watching. I was like, why does it feel like I've been in this house before? Yeah, it's pretty friggin' fantastic. And I love that. Um, I just I mean, even her telling of um the story, like using. I guess what they were saying, like the only song from even the Lion King that was really in that was um. I know they wanted to use the lion sleeps tonight or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's the guy's name? Solomon uh, Linda. And so I know there's the there's the King's Tale something. It's on Netflix about his story. I didn't even get all into it, but he's the South African composer of the lion sleeps tonight. And obviously, it, it was a big thing because he received no credit from Disney for writing that. Mm-hmm. And so um, they never paid him. Um, all these uh, white people were coming up trying to take kind of um credit for his work and so what beyonce did she only really used the main part where you hear his vocal that and so when they're going into that house that you and i've been in she never uses the full line seems tonight she used only that and she actually credited him so all the money is going to this um to his family mm-hmm. his family that's still here so i was like see that's what we gotta do Black that's fantastic. isn't that dope <laughs> to be able to know to go that deep and rich into the history she was like oh yeah no 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 we're gonna get him his money for real. It's responsible artistry and professionalism, which Beyonce displays over and over and over again, mm. which mm. is so important. Yeah. Yeah. So really many is. artists are just not, I started watching the Master P mm-hmm. docuseries and- Oh, I want to get into that. The business of it mm-hmm. and how strategic he was- and still is to this day. Yeah. Building No Limit and understanding the kinds of deals that he needed to make. Yeah. Not accepting a shitty deal from Interscope Records, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though Jimmy Iovine literally was ready to write him a million dollar check. Right. But being above board. Now, I, I don't know. I'm sure that there are some mistakes that he made because everyone makes mistakes. So I'm not mm-hmm. saying that Master P is, you know the model of how you should conduct business, but what he was able to do with no limit and what Mm -hmm. what we're talking about here is the level of, um, I think intelligence and hard work that goes into researching and making sure that you are making the best deals for yourself, but then also being above board on the deals that you make with everybody else. 
Right. And I think Beyonce does a really, really great job, seemingly, with mm-hmm. that. Um, and what I really loved about Black is King is how much shine she gave to other artists. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking that watching that. I was like, you know, some of these have to feel like even um, um, uh, the gentleman she was dancing with um, in and the one, uh, the one that was painted like turquoise, and I think about like, oh, I had my moment with Beyonce. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is just huge to just even expand, and and also a moment that I love is when it started because I remember being a little kid and going to watch a Disney movie and seeing that logo, but like, oh, oh yeah, we're just getting ready to praise a bunch of white people. Not thinking little, like obviously you get older, but to see that know this black woman was able to create this 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 art and have it on Disney. And then when I saw that logo, it took me back to nostalgia when I was a little kid. Like, oh, but it's Beyonce. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I was like, that's kind of fire. What was, okay, if you can remember or recall or remember from the film, like kind of what was your favorite, a couple of favorite moments from that movie where you felt it like, mm, that feels good right there. Um, Every time I saw her body mm-hmm. and just... Beyonce and I are the same age, mm-hmm. and I don't think there are enough images of the maturation that happens mm-hmm. to a woman's body as she gets older after she's had some children. Oh my God, Pete! I was thinking that I was gonna. Say, I was like, how do I ask that to make it? Make, I was the main part when I'm not to but You're saying exactly what I want to ask you, and I want to stay before the show when she was on the beach and her body was painted. I was like, when you would see it, like say, like a drag queen with hips padded. They mm-hmm. had to get that shape, but it was still fit because your body is the same way where it's fit, but then it's like woman curves. And I was like, is that where it was when you have a baby though? Because her body was bob. <laughs> there really is something that happens that they don't tell you yeah. <laughs> about how your body changes forever. Yeah. And it, 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 you, you don't have your body that you had when you were 25. Right. And there are just certain curves that you have and fat distribution in your hips and Mm -hmm. breasts and just in your body in general Mm -hmm. that you have to get comfortable with and adapt to and embrace. Mm. And it's was really wonderful for me to look at her and see myself reflected Mm. body image. Dope. And because I know that body image has been something that she's publicly talked about. Right, right. And having to lose a bunch of weight for dream girls and being thin, but loving being from the South and loving Southern cuisine and loving soul food and then going vegan, having babies, having twins, which does a number on your body beyond just normal pregnancy. So, and, and to see that someone who, has access to the mm-hmm. best trainers in the world, the best um, chefs in the world could literally pay somebody and probably does to make her breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks. Right. And smack a piece of chicken out of her hand. But, <laughs> you know, to see her embrace a full figure and not have to be yeah. Yeah. thrown into these 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Images and complicit to images that aren't realistic for a woman of her age that's had three kids. Absolutely. And I just, I thought it was beautiful. Um, That was one of the things that I loved. Uh, Tierra Whack. Oh my gosh, bravo. Lega for Tierra Whack. When she whipped off that coat and had that white outfit on, I was like, your moment. Live it. Ooh, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it. Yeah, um, that was dope. That was dope. That whole, oh, that was dope. I loved the transition from Africa to the, do you, you're when they, the in the jungle and yeah. that whole transition, it was, was so reminiscent to me of coming to America. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, African royalty represented yeah. in Hollywood. Yes. Goddamn ice cream cart behind me. Don't nobody want that ice cream, bro. <laughs> um, you know, when you, when you first saw black royalty and James Earl Jones and Eddie Murphy yeah. and Arsenio Hall and the, the tribal dancers, and you just saw this regal representation of African yeah. kings and queens. Yeah. So to me, it was a throwback to that. And, but also modernized yeah. And, yeah. and seeing that, you know, just those black bodies when Jay-Z steps out of the car and the three yeah. butlers were all white. All white. Yeah. Everybody was like, what the- <laughs> I, it just, it all, it made me feel so, I was watching it and my mom walked mm-hmm. in the room because we were on vacation and mm-hmm. she was like, well, you look so happy. What are you watching? And I'm like, mom, you have to sit down and watch this. And she just, like, she turned to look at the screen and she was standing, holding stuff. Like she had no intention of sitting down yeah. watching anything with me. And she yeah. was up. She couldn't yeah, look at yeah. 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 And then she went outside. I had the, the music on the speaker excuse me, the audio on the speakers, those Mm -hmm. sound speakers. And she came back in about 20 minutes later and said, I don't know what you're looking at, but just the audio alone, like music is amazing. And so that was something I could have, I wanted to watch it on mute and just take in the visuals. And then I wanted to the music and just take in the audio. And then I wanted to watch it together because Mm-hmm. It just felt like there was so much you were listening to, but then also so much you were seeing. It was like just yeah. sensory overload of magnificence. And oh, I, it was and just how it related to the line. I was like, oh, because he's supposed to be Simba. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not like, then I'm watching the whole thing with the, you, um, um, the voiceover on top. I was like, oh, this is so, it was just so good. Top to bottom, top to bottom. I loved it. So, and, and, and I loved Brown Skin Girl made me kind of cry a little bit because that was so pretty. <laughs> And a little cute part with her and Kelly Rowland. I was just like, okay, can I hug? Can I get in? No? Oh, okay, cool. 
<laughs> Stupid. Uh, but I definitely love that so much. Um, okay. Uh, as- and mythology in it too. I watched oh, yeah. this one guy who's, um, I think his handle was like Black History 365. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has this whole movement on educating, creating a curriculum around Black history and making sure people know. Right. African history, African-American yeah. history. And he did a whole breakdown, an hour long breakdown of just all the symbolism mm-hmm. in her costuming yeah, yeah, and yeah. down to the books that she was reading. Yeah. And he was like, yo, this was a masterclass in African history yeah. and African mythology. Yeah. And she really did her homework. Cause I was looking, I was reading up on some of the parts, like uh, when they did to my power portion and Right before they went into that, when they when the women were rubbing, it looked like what like clay or whatever in their hair, and mm-hmm. they described it as what protecting from the sun and the elements, and kind of going out and being as you know you're going out and being one with the world. It, it's also going to protect you and protect your hair and things. I was like, ha, huh, that is like, <laughs> I just love that it was put in there because and even watching that fight battle when one had the red powder and the blue powder on the head before they went to my power, I was like, okay, there's something there. There's a story. Mm-hmm. There. Mm-hmm. Um, that one where she was on the horse but the horse mm-hmm. had uh cow spots yeah that was intentional she was uh, specifically portraying an african goddess yeah. who was sometimes um uh, pictured as a cow ah right okay uh, the symbolism of the horns right, um, right. the naguni cowhide like all of that was just uh, yeah. uh. <laughs> okay um, yeah, so, and then real quickly, I know last week, um, we also discussed some things, um, coming to Netflix. Um, I set up and was able to get back into Moesha cause I used to love Mo to the E to the, um, back in the day. And, uh, yeah, it's a uh, really problematic, <laughs> not, not really, not, oh, I, like, I get why they did certain things. Cause we were kids like that. Shut up. You African booty scratcher. You know what I'm saying? But just the way they would come at Kim. I was just like, Ugh. and then how Brady was uh, going towards her father's new wife, which again, I guess in theory, you're like, okay, your dad married somebody new. You have to feel a certain way, but it was harsh. And her dad was even kind of terrible to an extent. And then Hakeem's to get him on nerves. Like, why was he always over there? It was- <laughs> well, I mean, let's, I don't know if you made it to the episode where she finds out Ray J is really her brother and not her cousin. <laughs> you know what? I remember that episode. I also remember the episode, and I know it's coming up next season, where they like outed some gay guy. Well, Moesha pretty much knew the information, but she told Nisi and uh, uh, the other one, um, Kevin Federline's wife. Why do I know? Not Nisi and uh, 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 Countess. She told them that he was pretty much. And so they told, got it. I was like, wait a minute. That was really problematic, too. There was so much. There was so much problematic shit in the '90s period. Right, but I, like I said, I think just at that time, we, yeah, we, I guess there wasn't so much social policing. Everything, but yeah. still, it's just like, ooh. But um, nonetheless, it's on Netflix and support. Um, and but there were also some really wonderful things, like in the '90s, with shows like Living Single, where everybody oh. was like. <laughs> was a stockbroker max was a lawyer khadijah had her own um magazine you know like people were just like doing it and were professional and weren't 
rappers and Absolutely. basketball players. They had like different, normal, amazing jobs. Right. And they, they were glad they had their girls. Keep your head right. up. What? <laughs> Stupid. Um, so, yeah, so uh, we have a really fun show coming up. Um, our oh, friend Nick Boyer is going to join us, and I'm so excited. We've tried to make this show happen for so long, and so um, things had to happen uh, for a reason. And so I'm so excited to sit and talk with her next. I remember when you first told me the story about the podcast Dying for Sex, and mm-hmm. it was so touching just because it, it puts you in – that place where you think right. about what would you do if you found out that your best friend was diagnosed with this uh, illness. And I just, yeah. I have so many questions. I can't wait to talk to her. And you know, I love Nikki so much anyway. Yes. I, really I know. want to live in her lap. Um, so we're definitely going to come back uh, and speak with Nikki and I have a special guest joining us as well too. Everybody's going to love, but also don't forget to watch um, Black is King and just forward up to the part uh, mood and then look when Beyonce's standing over because me and Pete was there and we famous and then when they pan out when they come over the house and before they go down the steps to where the pool is to the right is where P funny story so P and I were at the bar right and <laughs> Michael Bolter was behind Paris and I was we were like Michael Bolter is behind you and she was like mm, she was not looking so I was like I'm gonna just take a picture of you and I'm gonna show you behind I'm gonna show him behind you so I took a picture of Paris and your friend who was next to you she was a newscaster yeah, okay so I took a picture of them and I was like look that is Michael Bolter <laughs> so we're standing there getting drinks and I went up I was like can I take a picture of you with my friends right <laughs> was like fuck it he needs to be looking at the camera. So I think I'm going to do a slide of the beginning of it. So you just see how it was at the end of it. They was just like homies all at the end of Michael Bolton just hanging out with Pete. <laughs> Drink at the Godfather house. Do you know that I literally told that story like two weeks ago and just found those pictures again. So if oh, you serious? have on the top of your camera roll, I will forward them to you. Because okay. I just sent them to somebody laughing about how excited I was to see fucking Michael Bolton. And when you see Pete's face the first time when I'm like, okay, smile. Just take a picture with Bob. She is smiling like Max in the picture. It is so funny. I was so excited. <laughs> I would post these pictures so you guys can see, and then you can see us where we was all at up in uh, the house for Jay Z and Beyonce and the African people. You gonna like it? Um, I think the first time we went to that house when we met Rihanna and you took a picture with her and she loved us and wanted to hang out with us. Um, yes, that was yeah. my favorite. Those are my favorite outfits for both of us at the Rock Nation brunch. Yeah, that those yeah those, those were good really, fucking outfits. Those are really good outfits because I think now that I think about it, that picture of us that we took. Um, by the columns, I think because Tata was over there, he was like, Tata, can you take a picture? <laughs> he was like, I, Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm not doing anything else, guys. <laughs> <laughs> right? This just isn't my whole entire party, but sure. Yeah. sure. <laughs> we were like, Thank you. <laughs> we was like, Thank you. I was like, Okay, then I turn around and look at me. So, which one do we want to use? <laughs> They're all in it. So stupid. Wait, hold on. Don't go nowhere. We need to make sure these are good. Oh my God. Um, so, anyways, we, yes. So, we like a slideshow of like our Rock Nation looks, our Rock Nation brunch oh, looks. The evolution okay. of style. Mm-hmm. Am I here? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Remember the one we went to? And that was the day we found out when he was. Okay. See, we are going. Okay. Look, we have a show to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. We, our guests are like anxiously waiting. So. In, in the green room, and we have to bring them out. So, um, we will take a break and be right back. Oh my God. Hello, good. 
Okay, we are back, and um, we have a very special, long-awaited <laughs> guest with us. Um, uh, uh, so a little backstory, Nikki. You... With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You were supposed to be on with us last season. Yeah. And we couldn't get the timing right. And then some things happened. And then new life emerged from those things. And so mm-hmm. we finally were able to get a bit of your time because you are a superstar, bro. Girl, you are a superstar. Oh my God. Thank you. That's so nice of you to say. I, I have been waiting to come hang out with you two since the second you brought it up to me. So thank you for following through and being patient. Um, and I am so excited to talk to you both today. So ladies and gentlemen, we have um, our dear friend, um, Emmy Award winning, uh, red carpet diva, um, <laughs> author, podcaster, just all around beautiful soul, the a wonderful a Nikki Boy. Hi, Paris. Oh my gosh. Um, last time I saw the two of you, I was shoving sausages, vegan sausages, beyond sausages in my mouth because I hadn't had them before. And we were all together watching Game of Thrones, I think, weren't we? Yes. And oh, we, yeah, right. remember? Oh my God. And I was shoving those sausages in my mouth because I was like, these are delicious. <laughs> I forgot about Non-vegan sausage and cheese. <laughs> Because I left my job that I was supposed to be at and told them that I was like taking a mental health break and drove from fucking downtown to Burbank so that I could participate in watching the show. I'm glad you have your priorities straight. I'm glad. Be clear. (laughs) That is awesome. So uh, so Nikki, we have a lot to catch up on. There's so much um, that's been going on with you, obviously. Um, So I became friends. Well, I was a fan of Nikki's, but well, yeah, I was a fan of Nikki's at first. Because I just miss you really, you want to be real honest? Yeah, let's be real honest. When I just used to listen to Dre Talk with Ross, and Nikki was one of the co-hosts, and... And I kind of annoyed you at first. <laughs> right? Like, you were like, she kind of needs to relax and shut up, because I was always singing and doing something, and no, like, huh? And you were like, okay, be quiet. But and then I when you her. met me. That's how all CJ's love affairs begin. <laughs> if you really, really annoy him, chances are you're going to at some point be near and dear to his heart. Oh, that makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when I met you in person, you came in to Straight Talk with Ross podcast. You walked in. First thing I thought was, oh, my gosh, he looks like somebody that I like want to date. 
right? <laughs> and then um, and then I was like, oh, my God, he's just – I just couldn't get over how handsome you were. And then uh, you brought in food, and I was like, oh, my God, and he has food. Um, <laughs> still my heart. And then you were really honest. You told us all on the show, like, what you kind of thought of the show, and you were honest with me. And I knew from that moment, I was like, I love how, that you didn't come in and just bullshit. You were honest. Right. And then we right. – I mean, it's been, like, a love affair since Ever yeah. since. Yeah. Ever since. Um, and I'm really glad that I was able to, to connect you with Paris too, because I think you both have similar energies. So I'm really glad that I was able to connect you two, uh, ladies together for sure. Thank um, you. I think I did. I think I almost sat on Nikki's lap the first time I met her. I th- oh no, I think you did sit on my lap and I was very happy about it. I was like, hold on, let me swallow this sausage. That sounds really <laughs> like awful. what? Wait, what? <laughs> Come over here and sit on my lap. No, it was great. You know, CJ, you bring together the most, you're like this quiet little soul, but you bring together all these really amazing women. And I have to say, all the women that I've met through you, Mm. I'm like, oh, yes. So I'm very, um, very grateful. But yeah, that's how we met. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and obviously in that time between recording um, Straight Talk with Ross and, and things like that, you've been working on a... A, a well, unbeknownst to me, working on a story that has now come to life, yeah, so to speak, in a real way. So we definitely wanted to dive into that with you. I would love to. I mean, I think that it is the epitome of a passion project. Like, absolutely. When CJ first told me about dying for sex, it was just the concept alone to me was brilliant. <laughs> but the fact that it was such a beautiful story of an almost like a love letter in my opinion, you know, mm. a friend. Um, it, it, it arrested my heart like right away. So mm. I'm just so excited to talk to you about it. And I know to CJ's point, we started this conversation when this project was just in such a different phase and the evolution and the way that it has unfolded. Right. Uh, has just been so beautiful and we're so excited to talk to you about mm, it. Thank you. You know, it. thank you for acknowledging like the, it's been like an onion, you know, just peeling back and peeling back and it's taken on new forms and um, where it is now is so far from where I ever thought it would be, but it really did just start with this dying for sex um, project just started with me, one of my best friends, just sort of taking this really horrible situation that was happening to her and saying, well, how can we create value out of this? Like, what can we do with this that so we can like water the plant and make it grow into something? And I would have never thought in a million years that personally it would go where it went and also just, you know, in the entertainment world that it would explode. So it's very bittersweet. Um, I know I'm being very, why am I being so cryptic about it? But I mean, for those that don't know, Mm -hmm. um, Dying for Sex is a podcast that I did with my best friend, Molly, and she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer back in the, well, actually she was diagnosed with breast cancer. We shared an OBGYN. Um, we didn't like schedule our appointments together or anything, but like we had the same person that we went to and he misdiagnosed her with breast cancer way back in the day when she was like 32. And he told Are her the lump, me? Yeah, yeah. he told her the lump in her breast was nothing. She was too young for breast cancer and not to worry about it. So the beginning of every interview, I always like to use this as an opportunity to say, um, 
Always get a second opinion. If you think you need a mammogram, please go get it. Early detection. I mean, if Molly would have been detected when she thought she may have had something, she life may have unraveled differently for her. So she always promised me to please tell this story, but with with the um, reminder to please go get your mammograms and please go get a second opinion if you're not feeling taken care of. Um, it's so important. Yeah. And, and and I think we as women too, when you talk about our health, you you have this sense when you know something's not right or something's off, but we're mm-hmm. talking to us doctors and you know that they know more about your body than you do. And you really just have to to claim that that um that feeling and that knowledge of your own body saying, No, I know you might say nothing's wrong, but mm-hmm. something is wrong. I know. And I'm gonna go until I figure it out. You know, and it's funny, she had to learn how to forgive herself. She had to learn how to forgive the doctor. She had to learn how to forgive the universe and God and all of this. Um, But anyway, Dying for Sex is the podcast that we recorded. It started off as she and I recording um, these episodes because when she did get uh, diagnosed as terminal metastatic breast cancer, which is there's no cure, we don't know how much time you have left, she decided to leave her husband of, I think they were together for 15 years, and leave him, uh, move into an apartment very close to where I was living at the time and go on basically a sexual revolution of just, you know, fucking her way through feeling alive. And what she discovered, you know, it's funny when we recorded the podcast, she was in one phase of it of like empowerment and peeling back the layers of her sexuality and kinks and fetishes. And then as time went on and we brought the podcast to the company Wondery, by that time, Molly was in the hospital and she wasn't coming out of the hospital. So it was my, like you said, passion project project to say, I have to get this out. I have to share her story before she passes away. So I, I shared her story. It's out there. Um, it wasn't before uh, her passing, but she knew that it was happening. And in the process of that, she decided during the last few months of her life in hospice to pull out her laptop and finish the book she'd wanted to write her whole life. And that book is coming out too. So there's so much to share. And I'm just like, I'm all choked up right now because I'm just so grateful for you guys being interested in her story. She would be in heaven right now. I mean, that's a little on the nose, but she would be so, she'd be in heaven right now knowing that we're all sitting here sharing her story. She'd be so proud. Wow. I remember we were we were trying to plan it because we wanted her to be on the show with you at first when we were planning this. So, so that's right. Oh my right. god! Right, she was going to oh do god, it with you. My heart. Yeah, she was going to be on with you. We were all planning. The four of us were going to chat. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'm going to cry. Oh, right. Letting everyone know that if it doesn't happen right now, it's going to happen soon. I um, because right. I feel it. I already, I feel my nose tickling and I feel like something weird that happens like in mm-hmm. my boobs right before I cry. Um, I, Nikki, I have to ask you because Molly's story is amazing. The story of this project is amazing. As her best friend, how, how long had you and Molly been friends? We met um, about 20, 20 something years ago. So we've been friends for, you know, 20s to 40s together, gone through it all together. Yeah. Was this project, um, can you talk about how this project was a way for you? Because I I can't imagine how, as a best friend, Mm -hmm. you have to deal with 
the mm-hmm. acceptance piece of knowing that your best friend is going to die. Right. Um, did you find that this project was a way for you to focus on something else so that you could really enjoy the time that she had left? That is a really great question. And and yes, because my relationship with Molly was always very layered. Like we were really good one-on-one. We didn't do a lot of things as groups. She wasn't the kind of friend that wanted to come over for girls night or like a slumber party or like, you know, wine and cheese night. She was like, nope, I want you. I don't want you for four hours and I don't want to share you. Mm. So that was our dynamic and that's how we connected. So we'd have a lot of time together when, you know, I was, you know, really busy and had a lot going on before I realized how serious um, things were for her because she was, I thought, on the mend and on the heel. And then when she got the call that something was going on in her body and she got the results that it had, it had come back with a vengeance, I think that in that moment, I thought, oh my God, she's not going to be around forever. Like, I didn't know if it was five years, seven years, 10 years. And turns out, you know, if you, how do you think about it? It was only, oh gosh, we only had three and a half years after that. Mm. Um, So I don't think I was fully conscious of the fact that, oh man, she is like this, these could be our last moments together, but the work together that we got to do, was just such a great question. We got to sort of reframe like, Yes, she's dying. Yes, we're going to tell the story. But when we got together to do the quote unquote work on the podcast and the book and the TV show idea, it took on a whole different feeling. Like it, it empowered us. We were like, we are working. We are two badass women going to a coffee shop, sitting for hours, and we are working on something that's bigger than us. It's bigger than cancer. Like it gave us just such a purpose. And it did allow me to to kind of look at her through a different lens other than, oh my God, my friend is dying. Right. Yeah. I think it's so beautiful because knowing how cancer works and this, you know, invasion of your cells until it, it destroys you essentially to, for you and Molly to be able to create this piece of her that cancer can't touch you know, that lived on there is just so beautiful. And, and for it to come from, you know, the diagnosis, but then to create this piece of her that will live forever and that will teach people that will inspire people is just so brilliant. And it's so beautiful. And I think that there, there are lessons to be learned in all of this. And that's, I think a very, very special lesson for people to learn is that these diagnoses of, of cancer, of whatever, you know, terminal illnesses don't have to mean death in that moment. And that there's so much life to live beyond that, to really create legacy and pieces of you that live forever. Absolutely. Paris, I'm writing this down. Like this, really this project, what you just said, like is the piece of her that cancer can't touch. I have never even thought of it that way. It's so spot on and so profound and like, Oh, I love that. And to think back that Molly and I were supposed to come on the show. I, mm-hmm. You know what, CJ? I kind of had that in my brain, but I think so much. But she got really sick, and that's yeah, why we had yeah. to keep rescheduling. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. she would have loved to have been on and chatted with you, too. But in a way, she is. I feel like she's here. Oh, yeah. She, yeah, yeah, she really is. Better than ever. So I, in with for dying for sex, like how is, is – 
how similar is the book going to be to it? Is it going to be a different telling? Because obviously you said she pulled out the laptop and began to finish her book. So is it going to be a great counterpiece to it? Like what can we expect with the book? And that's August 18th as well too, right? Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. August 18th is the release date. You know, I, that's a, that is interesting because people that think they're going to get sort of the same story from dying for sex, it is darker it's deeper. Mm. She takes a swan dive directly into the questions that people had, which is, why did she choose sex? What were there other things that were going on for her? What was what was this journey really about for her? And during the time we were recording, it was in still in celebration and and getting in tune with a part of herself that she needed that needed some deep healing, that sexual part. And and you'll learn from the book where that comes from in her childhood and her adolescence and her teen, you know, her twenties. Um, it's a, it's a darker, deeper dive, but I think people will appreciate it because it's like, it's kind of really exposing where all of it came from. And I don't think she could have gotten to that point until she got to that point. So it's, um, it's an evolution of her story and it's another layer of it. And I think if people, um, really fell in love with Molly on the podcast, you're going to really like, fully understand her in a whole different way from her book. It's a memoir that she wrote literally in her hospital bed. I think two of the chapters she wrote in a coffee shop prior, but she, it's what kept her alive. You guys like it tethered her to this life because she kept saying, I have to finish my book. I have to finish my book. And she would put off medication. She would put Mm. off her pain medication. She would put off a lung tap so she could keep writing. I mean, she was so when you read this book, it's her, it's raw, it's deep, it's dark, it's beautiful, it's freeing, but man, it is, it is, it is all Molly. And it was her sort of love, like you said, Paris earlier, it was her love letter to life. That's fantastic. I think it's, oh, sorry, CJ, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. It's so beautiful to me when there are these intersections of um, healing. And I think especially something like breast cancer and something that invaded her body and, and her, her, the, the connections and the tethers that we have as women to our sexuality, right. Our vaginas, our breasts, Mm -hmm. that are taken over. I talk about it all the time when I talk about women who've had children and the the trauma that is connected to like the most what is, what people say should be like the most uh, amazing part of life when you have children and and when you when you give over your body to this pregnancy but it really is like a, a detachment from all the ways that you've defined yourself as a woman thus far right through your sexuality yeah. through your breasts that then get reassigned you know this new job to keep people alive and kids are tugging on them and biting at them and your vagina that literally splits open. It's like we have (laughs) these things that that pull us away from how we have defined ourselves and how we have known to identify ourselves with our body and our, our sexuality and something like breast cancer, you know, it's like this, these, body parts that you have used to define sensuality and you've used, you know, you've, you've gotten comfortable with them and, and you've learned 
how to live with them and use them and express yourself through them, whether it be through fashion or through sex and Mm -hmm. sexual contact for then to them. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Have those breasts be attacked and and be the reason that you die. But then to connect to this this project that's so connected to how she defined herself sexually. I just, I think it's so beautiful. And there are just so many different layers, like you said, um, you know, for her to be able to now have this immortality through these projects that are, are an expression of her sexuality and expression of her womanhood yeah. um, that, that again, that cancer can't touch. It's just, it's so beautiful. And then to have a woman who she, she was so intimately connected with, be able to carry that story on is just so beautiful. Thank you. I, I, you know, it's when I look back and I think about um, what sex meant for Molly. And if you listen to the podcast, it does start off as being very sexual and how she uses her body and how she gets out of a marriage and then explores sexually things that she never got an experience or never got the chance to experience in her youth. And you, in the book, you kind of get an idea and you start to really understand the why of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she... At the time when we recorded the podcast, she was very much into the celebration of the sex. She had a couple instances that weren't pleasant and weren't good, but she learned a lot about herself. But what we shared in the podcast was a reclaiming of herself, a new control over her body. Yes, they took her breasts off and they reconstructed them. And yes, her she had vaginal dryness and hormone therapy from all of the, you know, the medications she was she was on. And yes, um, she dropped a ton of weight. And yes you know, she, she lost the ability to have a period and be a woman and thrive. What makes your body feel like a woman? But she thought, okay, I am going to lean into this so hard because Mm -hmm. I am not going to let cancer rob me of the ability to have a a sexual awakening. And she did. I mean, she did it all. And we had the best time talking about it. It was so fascinating to me. She explored so many kinks, so many fetishes. She had hundreds and hundreds of men in her phone on Tinder and Bumble and all of these sites that I didn't even know existed. And she went for it. Like the stories that she told me that we couldn't include on the podcast were like, my mouth was was like hanging to the ground. I was like, (laughs) I mean, crazy ass stuff that was going on. So during that time, she was like, like a reclaiming, right? She was like, this is, she kind of always disassociated during sex in her past and didn't really, wasn't really present for the, um, the fun of sex. And I think she got a moment to really do that and dig into herself. And here's another thing that's interesting is that when she started all this hormone therapy that you get after you go through chemo, usually it just decimates everything. No drive for sex, no cravings for really anything. For some reason, it ignited her sex drive and she was hornier than ever. So a lot of people that are going through chemo and breast cancer, they kind of can't relate because Molly did have an adverse reaction to all this stuff. But I think it was kind of the universe being like, go ahead, girl. (laughs) You get get it. (laughs) That's awesome. I, I, 
One to two, because when I listen to the, any show that you're on, your voice is such a calming, sort of caring, caring voice as well, too. Um, and I listen to when you tell her story and then you're asked questions. It's all, and that's what you that's what you're here for, and you're here to to continue the legacy. But is it? I don't, I don't know if it's getting lost, but do you feel like there are times that you sort of need the you time, and, and so it's it's because a lot of your time is even when this was out doing the interviews and speaking about Molly and Molly, her story, which is great. And you're carrying on. But I also, I also, you know me, I think and wonder about the Nikki of it all. Cause I think yeah. of shows like serial <clears throat> where we go and we listen to that voice, but then we're like, Oh, so tell us more about Adnan and what he's doing. And then right, we get right. invested to everybody else. But then the person that's turning, Oh, great. Thanks. Oh, that's comforting. Thanks for, or you must remember this. And mm -hmm. so she's going back and telling all these stories, but then I'm interested in her, but then you, you get so involved and intertwined with the person that they're speaking about that I often wonder about the person that's telling the story. Yeah. So now that you're in it, like, how do you feel? Do you feel like that there is a, are you taking care of yourself is what I'm, that and how is, do you take care of yourself in that? Well, this is one of the reasons why I love you so much is because you <laughs> like, you know, you dig deeper and yes, I, there are moments where I do get lost in it mm -hmm. um, and that the passion project starts to become just the project that I'm working on, right? Yeah. And the other day I was sitting there trying to learn how to self-publish a book, which by the way, sounds real, real simple, but it's real, real not. Um, <laughs> and I was sitting there at my desk and I have this really cute um, card that she wrote to me and it says, just because, and then it lists all the things that she loved about me. And it was just on a little postcard yeah. and I have it taped up to the wall and it's got a little ladybug on it because ladybugs were um, our thing. Hmm. And I'm sitting here and I'm kind of ferociously typing her author bio and I'm on a Zoom call figuring out how to upload the book cover and what color should we use. And, 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 and I was, my, my adrenaline was high. My heart rate was high. I was like anxious. And I stopped and I just read that card and I was like, oh my gosh, this is not just about the, the, the passion project of it all. This is about my friend and her story. And sometimes I stop and I decompress and I say, ho, ho, hold on. Let's recenter. Let's not just recenter into Molly, but let's recenter into Nikki because like I'm the vessel, right? And yeah. I got to care for that. And she wanted that. She wanted me to take care of myself. Um, she was also, you know, like you better, you better make the story big and you better produce my book. Like she was like, mm -hmm. oh. <laughs> she really wanted that because she knew. She also said to me before she died, which I thought was so powerful. She said, I've never met anyone that's worked harder than you mm -hmm. in this business. And I've watched you scrape your way into trying to make a living and keep a roof over your head. Because it's not easy. Like, I think people think, oh, you know, I have an Emmy and, oh, I'm on the red carpet. Like, I must be living the life. Well, I'm going to rental in Van Nuys with my dog and my two stepkids, mm -hmm. right? And I got a grocery right. list and I cut coupons and I've tried to figure it. Now, granted, right. I am not homeless. I am not sick. I am mm -hmm. doing very well and I am thriving and I am grateful. But sometimes people think there's this weird, like, that I'm rolling in it and I'm just yeah. counting my money, yeah. no, right? Yeah. So I, I just wanted to, like, bring that to center. But anyway, there's a very long-winded answer to your, to your question, CJ, which is I get real caught up in that. And sometimes Molly would say to me, I've never seen anyone work so hard. And I hope somehow that my story hmm. brings you a little peace and brings you the life that you want. So I think somewhere deep in her soul, she knew that this was going to resonate with people mm. and that somehow I would have a story to tell through her. 
And, um, I do center myself and I do take care of myself, but it's been, um, it's been a journey, but I've learned mm-hmm. a lot about myself through telling Molly's story, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah no, I'm totally. so glad that's what you said, because my next question <laughs> is, what did you learn about the inner Nikki freak? Right. And, and, and were there any things in, in this, you know, the first season of going through this with Molly that made you say, oh shit, like there are some doors that I need to open or there are some things that I need to explore about my own sexuality mm. and sexual expression and experience. That is so juicy and good. But yeah, you know, I'm going to- Wait, gonna, wait, wait. Before we go into the sexy part, we should yeah. take a break so then we can come right back because I know we're going down a good- uh, Ooh, That's a good this. tease. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's take a break and we'll be right back. I'm going to go pull myself a cocktail. <laughs> Where we are talking about her amazing podcast, Dying for Sex, which will now be a book that is out August 18th. Yeah. So I haven't we'll revealed the the, um, the cover art or the title or any of that. So that's coming soon. So I just wanted to throw it out there that like, if you are a fan of Dying for Sex and you want like to be on the VIP list and get a, an early release of the... Um, of the book cover, you can go sign up at dyingforsexpodcast.com and then I'll send you the book cover in advance. And then when it's available on the 18th, you'll, you'll get the link. And so please, you know, if you want, you want more of Molly's story, that's where you can find it. Love that. Awesome. Before we went to break, mm-hmm. I, uh... <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. Um, before we go into that for Pete and Nikki. Uh, sorry. Yeah. For for P and Nikki, um, I know we're talking about sex and people love when we talk about sex on the show. Um, I had to get a surprise for Nikki. What? Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a surprise coming. Just it's it's going to be a part of this. I feel like the timing, the the Beyonce Black is King gods are on in my favor. <laughs> okay, I'm so excited. I don't know what's happening. Okay, so uh, special guest, are you on? Uh, what is your name and where are you calling from? Uh, my name is uh, Will Sterling, and I'm calling from uh, from Neverland because oh I refuse to grow up. Oh my gosh! Hi. I miss you. How are you? Oh my god! I I'm good. I thought you obviously are the most like pro podcaster because you have like some microphone that sounds fucking incredible. Oh really? <laughs> That's so nice. I feel like. Mine sounds like shit because it's always my laptop headphones. And you're just like, <laughs> well, it helps dying. when you have a fiance that's like an engineer. And I'm like, baby, do you have an extra mic hanging around? He's like, you mean this golden bedazzled one? Oh, I have it right here for you. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. So nice Hi, to hear bro. your voice. I just wanted to add a little old school. We all come from the from the, the original podcast. And I thought it was great because Will was on one of our uh, our chart topping shows when we talk about sex and so when nikki you mentioned sex oh. i was like who best that talks about sex with p and i than uh oh will over here oh my oh, gosh yeah. i love this foursome i couldn't be any happier thank you all right 
All right. So we were just getting into Nikki telling us what she learned about herself sexually through this podcast. Yeah. And minds would like to know, Nikki, do you have any, any new nipple piercing? Right. No. <laughs> no, but thanks for the idea. I hadn't thought of that. Uh, you know, I have been in a relationship for a little 10, 10, almost 11 years um, with my fiance, Tommy, because he just proposed. Um, back in March, May, May. Oh, yeah. yeah, I got him. I got, it was in May. Thank you. Um, it was very unexpected after 10 years of being together, which is really beautiful, but we have, a, you know, I'm pretty open about things. We have a real good sex life and we make it a priority because we were both married before and we knew what it was like to be in relationships where that kind of falls by the wayside. So I like to think of us as being pretty adventurous. And then I realized when Molly passed away and she left me her cell phone and said, here you go, have at it. Here's my password. I didn't realize what I had been missing out on because all of a sudden I could tap into her text messages and see the back and forths between these gentlemen and herself. And I was blown away by how boring I am. <laughs> I was like, what? So now it's kind of kicked up my sex drive a little bit. And um, Tommy and I were actually discussing like, is there something that we haven't done that we'd want to do? I mean, we have Ooh, toys, right? And he said, um, let me think about it, right? Because he's very thoughtful. And me, I'm like, no, no, tell me now, tell me now. But for me, and I want to know what you guys think about this, it totally kicked up my, after going through Molly's phone, it kicked up my sort of voyeurism. Like, mm. I want to watch. I don't necessarily want to be up in anybody else's mix. Because I'm too jealous to share my thing. I don't want to share. I don't want anybody touching Tommy. I don't want anybody looking at him, putting their tongue anywhere. I'm not interested in that. But I'd like to watch other people go at it. I think that would be fascinating. What do you guys think about that? I think that's hot. I'm did, I, did I ever tell you? I didn't think I ever told you guys about the time in Palm Springs when we were there for straight talk that I watched a couple of have sex in their hotel room. <laughs> so many Wait. years ago. Oh, yeah. um, God. CJ, so did you know this? No clue. All right, here we go. Dropping some secrets. Was it Will? Will was it CJ or Nikki? <laughs> it was, it was CJ and Nikki, and it's time for all of us to come. Oh my god. Um, so I was. This was early. This was like right after the first like crisis I had in my marriage. Still married at the time. And uh, I was going out, me and Daria were drinking and like partying and like having a good time. She and I just as friends met this couple at a bar, like at a hotel bar. And Daria went off to hang out with somebody else. And I was kind of like there by myself, like wandering around and then the bar closed. And I was just like, I didn't want to go back to the uh, Airbnb because I was just kind of in a bad headspace. And so this guy from the couple I met at the bar comes walking up to me at like one something, two in the morning. And he's like, hey. And I was like, hey, pretty, pretty drunk. And he's like, my, uh, my girlfriend is actually back in the hotel room right now watching porn. And we didn't know if you and your friend, we didn't know if you guys were together. And I was like, no, it's just me right now. He's like, well, if you want to come back and, and maybe watch us, watch us have sex. And oh. I was like, oh, huh. So in my brain, I'm like, is this cheating? Right? Because I'm still technically married. And I'm like, if I do this, so I had zero desire to participate. Mm. It was just the interesting thing was like, ooh, I could just do witness something I've never seen before in, right. in real life. Mm -hmm. 
So I was like, do you have beer? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, yeah, we can have a drink first. I was like, cool, let's just talk and see where it goes. And if it's weird, like I'll leave, you know, he's like, okay. So we go back and they're nicest, nice, nice people, like sweet as can be. We just chat, having like, actually what's like a really nice conversation that I was kind of like, oh, this is great. I'd rather do this. He's like, all right, well, we're going to get started now. And I was like, cool, 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 cool. Um, and he's like, uh, if you would like to at all, you can touch me. She said she's not comfortable with you touching her, but you can join in if you want. And I was like, no, I think I'll just sit over here. Wow. And I sat in this corner chair with my beer in my hand, watching this couple have sex with porn on, on a laptop. And I... Telling this to another friend, he was like, hey, it's a lot for them to unpack. There's a stranger in the room pouring on the laptop. Right. And they're fucking. And I mean, that's neither. That's not fair of me to judge and say it's negative. It was just interesting that all those elements were in play. And what I ended up finding because I realized I was in an emotionally fragile state and having a hard time with a marriage that ended up not working out. What I found most valuable was after they finished, I like spooned with them. And that's sort of the emotional release in like a post-coital way was the thing that I was really lacking. Oh my gosh. Wow. And so that was like a big emotional release for me. I had zero desire to participate sexually and even watching them was fun, but I wasn't like, I don't want to, I don't feel turned on really. It was almost like I was sitting like, my next question. Yeah. No, I was like, weirdly, like my, my directing brain was like, what if you moved her this way? Just do like I wanted to kind of change it around. (laughs) But then that was the big thing is I just connected more with them right after the fact. And we had a big conversation. I kind of vented about some of the stuff I was going through and I left. And I was like, I bet I freaked the fuck out of those people. Wow. But it was such a rewarding experience and something that I think that everybody's fascinated by sex in all these different ways. And like, no one should be shy about this kind of stuff. Okay. Can I I ask one question? Because when you talk about the spooning, so were they naked spooning and you're like fully clothed and then like, are you in the middle? It um, It was like a stereotypical movie scene. Where the sheet levels were like hers are all the way up, his uh-huh. are at the waist, and then there's me fully clothed with my shoes on. <laughs> I want that image to be my screensaver for life. That's it's amazing. Like, one hundred percent clear. When I think about this later, um, <laughs> you will were big spoon. That's correct. Okay. I think I was big spoon in this thing, and I'm sure that they were like, "Man, that poor guy." Because I was like, I started to cry a little bit. I was like, "I'm so scared. I don't know what's going on with my marriage." Blah. And so in the long run, it was helpful. But in the moment, I was so fucking freaked out. And then I go back home and I'm like, did I cheat? Is that cheating? Wow. And so now my understanding of those things is a little different. And I think if you have healthy communication with a partner and that's something Uh, you're both interested in doing, then explore it. But if it's one-sided, like that's never going to work out good for anybody. Wow. I had no idea. So many things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I had a question. Uh, Paris, Nikki. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I had this on my list for Paris, I think like two or three weeks ago. I don't oh, good. Just, we were talking about death and it just didn't work. But um, does it matter? I mean, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but like, do you feel like, uh, like having sex with a man, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, veiny, does that matter to you? Like a veiny penis? Oh. Are there non-veiny penises? <laughs> well, some don't have really large veins in the penis. I have to be honest with you. I really don't like spend a lot of time inspecting beyond like, okay, that's nice and 
large and you know no visible right yeah no this is a really specific question i like it yeah i don't i don't know that i could like i've never counted the veins but it's never been something that's on my radar and know what you're going to do next time paris one that's funny i you know what i don't think i've ever encountered a super veiny penis but i wouldn't be opposed to one or if tommy had veins i wouldn't think i'd be i think it, i think it's would be kind of sexy i don't know it is it is the main vein isn't that what they call it <laughs> but i don't i don't i don't know i mean listen i have learned i've seen all shapes and all sizes the amount of dick pics that molly received on her phone when i was scrolling through her phone and tommy and i would go through them together and just be blown away by like the shapes and the sizes and the angles and the lighting and some people with the stuff in the backgrounds of their house. I was like, you might want to clean up a little bit before you send a sexy selfie. Like, I don't know, the Del Taco bag and like the French fries hanging off your bed, like kind of gross. But it was such a window into people's lives. And, and right. it was interesting. But um, that's I, I don't know. I, I, I'll have to I'll have to take a closer look at, at, at the veins next time when I'm doing okay. it. But the, right, I was just I was curious about, about that. You? I, I, the, the funny thing is, CJ, that this has been a question that's been on your mind for a few weeks that you meant to ask me weeks ago. I, I really want to know what conversation. And how, in relation to death, did yeah. this come about? Because you were like, <laughs> no, like, we, we were, were talking, talking about, about death. death and and I, <laughs> yeah, we, had, we were saying RIP to somebody at the top, and it was in my notes because I was during probably during my quarantine quantify coochie moment. <laughs> Got it. And I wanted to ask. I don't know. And then there was something about CJ crossing off the topic veiny dick on his to-do list. <laughs> you know what? Because in my in my meditation, I said I'm going to start making my to-do list, and I'm crossing off everything. Another thing that I had on that underneath that same one is the feeling of when somebody releases, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you know that? And, and a friend of mine, she was like, I she was like, I can just obviously fake it, and just so I can be done. But then I'm like, can you feel it, like? When the guy's like, and you know it's for real. And sometimes guys fake it. Like, do you know when it's real? Obviously, if if you're not strapped up, but if you are strapped up, can you still feel like it's for real? Right. Guys fake that? (laughs) Yes. Really? Yes. Oh my god! Or if they know, if they know they're too tired, they're gonna be like, "Shit, I'm gonna look real stupid." Oh, what? you feel so okay. I'm that was it. I was too drunk and I couldn't finish, and I was like, "I feel terrible if I don't See? do this." And I'm also See? drunk, so my brain's like, "You know, it's a great idea. Pretend." Wow. I feel like I don't think anybody bought it. I don't think that it was anybody. See? <laughs> right. I- Oh, this is so interesting. You yeah, know I've what? absolutely done it. I have wow. absolutely done it. I think Harris and I are like a little little shocked right now. We're like, wait, what? I mean, I I guess maybe I've just fucked people that have no shame and have been like, hey, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to stop. Right, like, right. <laughs> well, that is good. Right? Relief to me. Trust me. Don't be embarrassed because chances are if you can't continue, like I've been tired for minutes. Like, what's the me? Oh my right? gosh. It's very so- true. It's very much like a like a sad ego thing where it's like I refuse to make it seem like a and when truth when you can be honest with somebody like, hey, no, that just feels a lot it's a lot better. 
Yeah. I mean, there have been times where I've been in, in the midst of the act with Tommy and he's like, hey, baby. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, it ain't, it, I can't. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Or he'll be like, I had way too many edibles and like the idea yeah. of it feels real good, but like the finish line seems far away. And then I'm like, baby, let's just turn on Impractical Jokers and go to sleep. We're fine. Like that's exactly what we do. Um, so maybe because I've been in a relationship for so long, that's not an issue. But if I was having sex with, you know, dating and random people, uh, maybe I'd be a little more in tune, but oh gosh, now that's a lot to think about. I'm wondering how many of my single friends, now I'm going to have to ask. I'm be like, do you know, can you feel it? Are they faking? <laughs> my friends will be like, thanks for the stress. Sorry. I've definitely been in like, I've, I've been having sex with someone like he just couldn't for whatever reason, get to the finish line. Obviously not because the treat was delightful, but (laughs) in his life. And like, I've kind of taken it as a challenge. And then like, you know, two hours later, mama comes back with some new tricks and somebody made it to the finish line. There you go. There you go. So, yeah, I don't think I've ever left a customer without a receipt. Come on, Roxanne. You better turn on that red light. (laughs) Can I tell you guys something about, uh, it was a gentleman that I reached out to um, that was in Molly's uh, sort of some of her, one of her suitors that she had. And he was somebody that she had a, a sexual relationship with and a bit of an emotional relationship with. And he was a... um he was like a, like a clown, like by day, like he did clown work. So they would have lots of sexual, like they would do things with his clown makeup on. One time I showed up at her house and she had clown makeup smeared down her face and her chest. And I was like, where were you? And she's like, oh, this guy that I'm dating, he's a clown. And I'm like, wait, what, what kind of a clown? Anyway, his his connection with her, because she allowed him to really show up in the way that was exciting for him. He had no shame. She had no judgment. She welcomed it. She loved it. Um, he wasn't able to talk to us because when I said, Hey, I'm doing a podcast about Molly and I know you guys had a great relationship. Would you be willing to talk with us? And he said, I can't even utter her name without crumbling. I don't think I could talk to you. And I I reached out four or five, six times and he just couldn't he couldn't pull it together and he couldn't communicate about her because the loss was so deep for him. And the, which even crazier, this is going to blow your mind, is that the loss was so deep for him, but he was a mortician at night. Whoa. So he dealt with death day in and day out, wow. yet he couldn't even bear to talk about the loss of Molly, which just lets you know like what their emotional connection must have been like. Isn't that crazy? Right. But I mean, what you said is so real when you're able to show up as your true authentic self in front of someone and they see you and they're fully accepting and not only accepting, but in celebration of who you are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think we live in a world that's so judgmental that you're afraid to you know, to speak up and say what you like or, or to try something new or to say, Hey, I'm a clown. And I'd like to fuck with the red nose on, like just being able to show up in that way and have somebody say, hell yeah, I'm into it. I'm down with it. And, or even if they're not like into it, they'll try it. 
right. and, and, and they're willing to accept that. It's just such a beautiful way to to see someone and, and really accept someone. I, it's, it's really, really beautiful. I think that was going to be one of my questions was, you know, did, did Molly ever make a connection with any of these men where it went beyond sex? Because I think that sex can be an entry point to a really beautiful emotional connection, you know, when, when, when the stars align and when things line up. So I, that was definitely something I was wondering. Like. Yeah. As I was digging through her, you know, her sort of Rolodex and looking at these back and forths between herself and these guys, these conversations were just raw and vulnerable and honest. And yes, it was about masturbation and sex and, and kinks and fetishes and all this stuff. But there was also a yearning, you know, a yearning for a connection. And you can tell which guys were just there to kind of, you know, blow their wad and do their thing. And what guys were kind of maybe not fully conscious of what they were looking for. But Molly created such a safe space because she said that having the cancer really allowed her to give, to give less fucks about things, right? Like just, just not care in a certain way. And I think when she brought that to the table subconsciously or consciously, it allows the other person to go, oh, she's showing up that way. Let me mirror that. I'm safe here. Let me go there. And so a lot of her back and forths were really in, interesting and intense and very vulnerable. So it was, it was interesting to go back through that even after recording the podcast, right? Like to dig even deeper. And then the book, Oh man, the book just like really, really gets honest because I think there's a different kind of honesty that you have when you're doing a podcast or you're in the midst of figuring something out. But then when you're on your deathbed, right, and you are getting real clear with yourself and mm -hmm. being really accountable, I think she was able to look at things through even a deeper lens, which um, I think people will, will really enjoy um, that layer of her book. It's really cool. I'm so excited to read this book. It sounds amazing. Thanks. Um, season one you did with Molly. Mm -hmm. Season two. I mean, did you always anticipate that you would carry on with this once Molly was gone? Was it difficult for you to, to, to get into season two? Well, you know, season one, I, I'm going to sound like... I'm a pretty smart girl. I've dealt with death quite a bit. I knew Molly was dying. It was very clear to me. I, But there was this part of me that held on to this weird magical hope that she was not going to die, right? Mm -hmm. Like my, my brain knew it, but the rest of me just couldn't catch up. So even after we recorded the first season, I thought, well, in season two, we'll do this and we'll dig into this. So when I brought these raw recordings to Wondery, um, I never th thought that that would be the end. I, in some way, thought that we would be doing more together. So to answer your question about, like, what was it like? It, like, I was living with the recordings after she had gone because our podcast didn't really um, premiere until almost an exact date to the year after she died. Yeah. Here I am living with her sort of in my headphones and writing around her life and doing these interviews. And in a way, I felt like she was still with me. Oh. When that last episode dropped, Paris, where you, you you hear her basically talk about what she's looking forward to when she crosses over, I felt like she died all over again to me because I, it was like a, a double letting go, like another layer of the letting go of her. Here it is, guys. Here's where I'm crying. Oh. 
I know. <sighs> so brave um, and such an amazing friend to have embarked on this journey with your friend and, and to continue on with using her story to educate and to inspire people. And I think that beyond death and beyond sex, um, this is a project that's just about learning how to step into your power of being your true self and standing in your truth and being unafraid to stand in your truth and then being a vessel to stand in front of people with your truth so that they feel comfortable to stand in theirs. And um, thank you. And thank you, Molly, for, for giving this to the world because it's so needed, I think, especially right now. Um, And I'm grateful for it. And I think that anyone who listens to it will be better because they did. Oh, that is all she wanted. That's all she wanted was for her story to inspire and to open up other people's heart spaces. And I think she is um, shining down on this and loving it. And it's her legacy. You guys are helping continue the beauty of her legacy and her story. And it is such a gift. And I'm so grateful that you took the time and what even warms my heart even more like, Oh, this gets me. Is it you guys wanted to have her on the show, right? Like we're getting all this attention after she passed away, but like you were interested in listening to her in her moment when the story wasn't picked up by anyone, the story yeah. wasn't interesting or didn't have 4 million clicks or it didn't have any interest. You guys wanted to talk to Molly just based of her, her off of her experience that she was actually in. And that means the world to me. So thank you for that. And thank you for the support. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, you should also know that Nikki has another project, the busiest woman on <laughs> earth right now. <laughs> so we can turn these, um, uh, uh, these smiles, these frowns around, uh, can you tell them about the daily smile? Because that is one of my faves. Oh, thank you. So my relationship with Wondery, they asked me to start hosting another show for them. And it's called The Daily Smile. And in these crazy, unprecedented times of kind of feeling like a little bit the walls are closing in, these stories, it's Monday through Friday. It's a brand new show every day. It's called The Daily Smile. And it's just to shine a light on the good things that are happening in the world, how people are taking the crap that happens to them and and twisting that and turning it into something beautiful. Um, and sometimes it's just funny, silly, like let's just laugh and be together stories. CJ was a guest during the um, the beginnings of this resurgence of Black Lives Matter. And I have to say it was probably one of my favorite episodes because it was vulnerable and open and raw and real. And it was called... Um, I believe it was called Justice Change and Repeat. Is that the name mm-hmm. of it? I think that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And you were the guest and it was just a beautiful episode. So if anybody wants to dive into the Daily Smile, I would say make that your first episode you listen to and then um, subscribe and listen to it. I think it's it's a little bit of what we need right now. And there are only 10, 10, 15 minute episodes, right? Like to start your yeah. day off with some good, sweet news in the world. Like, Lord, help us. <laughs> but amen. We certainly need it. Um, and Will, what do you have going on? Because, you know, we like when you come yeah. in and out. You're too busy to be as with us all the time now. Yeah, well, I can't be in every house I have to look at pictures on Instagram. Oh, me too. Yeah. I'm like, like, oh, like, like. There's a man who rings a bell uh, in the neighborhood who walks by with his, like, with the 
the frozen treats and just the bell rings all day. And it's like, I don't know if it's being picked up right now, but I'm like, oh, shit. I didn't um, hear it, but now I want them. <laughs> 20 minutes ago. Yeah, I'm just going to be for real. <laughs> um, kind of same old, same old. Been writing a lot. I'm mean, still working for Podcast One. Um, Photography-wise, a big thing that's really, and I think even my comfortability in telling the story that I did was kind of funny, but emotional, is really like exploring my own sexuality as like as somebody who identifies as a straight person, but also I, it's just like open to lots of different things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like just thinking about that, it, I think that the difficulty is that like people who are straight feel like, well, they can't do anything fun or they can't explore anything or they can't try stuff because it means X, Y, Z, or it makes you so-and-so and so, whatever, whatever. And it's like the joy of sexuality is really just like, just discovering who you are, being comfortable in your body, being comfortable with who you're with, who you can lay with and be with and spend time with and all these different things. And I think in the past couple of years, I've just really started to explore that and the people that I've talked to and been with and then photography and doing pictures, like with certain photographers and certain friends, like I feel more comfortable and know what to do with my body more when I have no clothes on than I do sometimes when there's some wardrobe or something. And I, I don't know, I just have really enjoyed getting to know that. And it's so funny because it's like, you know, the, the the common thing is like, oh, thirst trap. But it's like, I'm not actively trying to fuck anybody with my pictures. I'm putting them out there because I really like them. And it's like something that I'm proud of that I think, I think sex, especially in sexuality, from an individual standpoint, is something that everybody likes to talk about. It's why it's fun for us to talk about. And it can run the spectrum from something like, like Molly's story to to something that's, you know, just, just everyday chat, you know, it can be super impactful and it can be everything from, from one side to the other. And I, I know that's just something I've been conscious of recently, which has sort of contributed to the posts on Instagram that I've been posting work wise. It's kind of just same old, same old, not acting is basically shut down during quarantine. So there's nothing exciting going on from that standpoint, but, but yeah, a lot of thinking and a lot of writing and, uh, and, have a new podcast eventually in the works, but I haven't really started anything yet. Ooh. So closed out the motivation report. That's done. I needed to put an end on it so I could do something new and that'll be coming down. Nice. Fantastic. Sounds like we need to have another sex show. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> like legit. I was like, wait, what? I want to, I got, I have some questions. No, <laughs> but no, sir. no, but absolutely. We should. Um, well, normally we, uh, close out Paris and I, and we do our roses. But I think I think it's fitting. I don't know. I would. I don't want to speak for P, but maybe she'll agree. But I think we should give our roses just. I think to Molly. Every single mm-hmm. every single bouquet that we would give out, I think we should just give them to Molly. Yep. Thank you, guys. So sweet. It means so much to me. I know it would mean the world to her. And um, and for anyone out there that's struggling or feeling stuck or hurting. You know, um, in Molly's words, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with the time you have left? And you don't have to do big things. You can just do happy things that feel your soul. So whatever that is, you you do that. You do you because we are all here for a certain amount of time. We don't know how long. So make it count and connect as much as you can with the people you love. Absolutely. I love that. Definitely. Absolutely. Well, thank you Which for joining. To be your big spoon. Yes, exactly. Yes. Oh, my. Happy to be everybody's big spoon. If you are going through emotional trauma and you need someone to snuggle with you after you have sex with somebody, you know, just give me a call. 
Now I have to try and remember what was what was your nickname that came out of the last sex show? Oh, oh God. Um, Do- um was it Doctor Something? Doctor Dick <laughs> Something. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. God damn it. What was it? I don't know. I gotta go back and find it. Fuck, I can't remember it. Spoon <laughs> is getting attached to that name. Now I think it should just be Doctor Dick and Spoon. Dr. Dick and Spoon. That's a good one. That is how we should definitely end this show, Molly, would love it. Dr. Dick and Spoon. Dick and Spoon, Sterling. Dick and Spoon. Well, again, all the roses to Molly. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Will, of course. Thank you both. Thank you, Nikki, for sharing and for your podcast. And Yeah. This I is love all really special. Yeah, I it feel is like special. I'm part of something wonderful. Me too. Thanks for making time for me and, and having me and Molly. Um, I love you all. The so much in me. I love you. We love you too. And we'll make sure to share everything in our notes on the show so everybody can be connected and they can pre-order the book and follow okay. you on social and everything. Okay, and my love. Subscribe to the podcast. It's so good. Dying for sex. Absolutely. So thank you, everybody. And we'll see you again next week. Bye. Okay, bye. bye. Get it on.